0: Today's episode of Pushing Through is brought to you by Discover. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Fraser, and as always, I am joined by the kid, B.J. Armstrong, and today we have a very special guest. He is a guy that you've seen in Slam, Sports Illustrated. He writes for Bleacher Report now, but he has a book that you need to read. It is called Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever, and he is here today to tell us how it all went down. He is Jake Fisher. What's going on,
1: Jake? How you doing, man? Thank you guys for having me. This is uh, This is going to be fun. Oh, Jake, yeah, this B- is gonna be BJ's a lot. Fired of fun. Up. I, I'm really fired up. I'm, I'm, because I, I'm gonna get a chance to learn today.
2: I'm gonna get a chance to understand the mindset, the concept. It's <laughs> I've lived this. So uh, Jake, yeah. thank you for coming on. And uh, I'm just excited to hear, you know, how this really works. I mean, it's 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 been a part of my life. I, uh, you know, so I didn't understand <laughs> it then, but after this, after this podcast, <laughs> I want to say, oh. That's what I didn't get. get now I I get it. I want to have my ah moment, you know. I want to have my moment. So, you know, my guru, my personal guru, is here. You know, is right now. Let's do it. I'm ready.
0: All right. Well, Jake, we'll jump right into it. The book came out in March, correct? So we have had a we've had a few months where it's been filtering out to the world, and hmm. uh, you know the this I've you know we read rave reviews. I just started reading the book, bought the book myself, so Thank I'm excited you. to dig in. Uh, but in general, tanking has been a topic of conversation. Our producer, Midas, he is a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Mm-hmm. He is a man that believes in the process. The process has had ripple effects and uh, uh, different variations. But all in all, it comes back to one word, tanking. And can you tell us you know, uh, about this whole ideology, the world of tanking in the NBA? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, it's been around forever. I mean, there's a yes. really <laughs> through line in the book where I mean, David Stern comes into power in 1984 right when the Houston Rockets lost 16 of 21 games to get into the. BJ might remember back in the day – Oh, back in the day, team. am I that
2: old? Oh, see how you guys are. Oh, see, see, this is why I'm all, I'm so insecure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, back in the day, I'm like a back in the day guy. You know, come on, Jake.
1: Come on, Jake. You can't say that to me. You know, I'm a seasoned. I'm a I'm a seasoned person. You know what I mean? I'm a seasoned. For sure. You know. For sure, but I mean, people maybe not B.J., but other people may remember that mm. it was just decided between a coin flip between the worst team in the East and the West, and that's how the Rockets got Hakeem. And then the next year is when. David Stern puts in that 1985 frozen envelope lottery with Patrick Ewing. I think (laughs) where you flash forward 30 years later, as Adam Silver comes into power, who does he inherit in 2013, but Sam Hankey in Philadelphia. So it's been around forever. And obviously Hankey's strategy was the main backbone to the lottery reform that got passed in 2017 that came into action in 2019. And then it's been impacting the playing tournament. So Around forever, but the reason why I wanted to write this book is just like Hinkie. There were it wasn't only him. There were a lot of analytical minded executives coming to power at that time. Rob Hennigan in Orlando, Ryan McDonough in Phoenix. Um, I mean, people forget the Celtics where Ryan McDonough came from, and obviously Danny Ainge is in the storyline right now or the news, whatever. Um, they traded KG and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn the same night that Hinkie traded uh, Drew Holiday to New Orleans. All these teams were deciding to tank. For the 2014 draft, which was considered to be the best draft since 03. And who was obviously in that 03 draft? LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. They were all together in Miami running the league. So all these teams and executives thought, we're not beating the Heat anyway. Let's see that on purpose for a couple years. Let's get the next generation of these superstars. And by the time that dynasty crumbles, we'll be there. And it has really worked out for Philly and for Phoenix. Boston was there for a couple years. Obviously, the last year and a half has been little tumultuous, but I think the strategy has its clear dividends.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Okay, Jake. I, okay, I haven't <laughs> had
2: my uh, moment yet. I, I'm waiting <laughs> on that moment. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so Jake, I, I, again, um, the frozen envelope part, you know what I mean? It's you know We, we don't know that, but you know, allegedly, right? You know, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was all
0: very taboo yeah, at yeah, the time, but, right? You it know, was very wink-wink, so, and yeah. now it's kind of more out. Yeah. But, but
2: he, here is my... I have so many questions, right? I have so many questions, but I I want to try to narrow this down here. Like, so when was it okay to Mm. broadcast this game plan, if you will, right? Let's call it a game plan, all right? The executive game plan along with the owners, you know, clearly has to okay with the owner when was it okay to admit it to your fan base that we're actually tanking? Because, you know, I don't recall other executives giving it a name, right? It was like, <laughs> maybe that's what they were doing, but no one ever admitted to what they were doing. When was it okay, and when was it okay to admit it publicly and broadcast, we are tanking? When did that happen? Because I, I missed that part of the, in my, you know, back in the day, I missed that part of the... uh <laughs> Of, of, of I missed it in the newspapers back in the day we read newspapers before
1: we you know started doing stuff like we're <laughs> doing now newspapers. Yeah. I, I think I think well, with the advent of social media and I think with the advent of all these new age guys coming to power in these front offices, team building is a conversation that the average casual fan is having these days that wasn't happening five ten years ago i mean i' I've only been covering the league for eight years, but I really don't remember. Us talking about preparing for free agency two, three years down the line or you know, scouting the next generation of high school guys and projecting oh. them out for two years. Oh, yeah. I was back in the day. I could tell you if you want to ask me. I could, If you ask me, I could tell you. I, I could tell you. Like are <laughs> talking about Peter, in the mainstream. Yeah, the main, Peter Vesey. a bar being able to talk about the team's second-round pick stash that they have coming in 2025. Yeah. That was seven, 10 years ago. Well, Peter yeah. Vesey, you know,
2: was writing about this stuff. And I think it was Hoop Du Jour or something. was going. Yeah. Believe it or not, we were actually doing that. Believe it or not. I know it's hard to believe, but we were, you know, whether it was <laughs> Sam Smith, Peter Vesey, you know, these guys, Mitch Album, you know, it was a lot of guys. Yeah. It was in the newspaper. But the one thing to me that has really changed, especially in Philadelphia, was, yeah, we're tanking. Like they just came out and said it and you're like, whoa, whoa. We It was we, a
0: pride behind yeah, it. Yeah, it
2: was like this is what we're doing. And all of a sudden, that, that to me was different more yeah. than anything. But believe it or not, these discussions have always gone on. No, believe for sure. it or not, believe it or not, the 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 difference between the drafts back then was you actually got a player who could actually help you. Yeah. That's the difference. No disrespect mm-hmm. to the current players now, but you're you're drafting players now in the lottery, and you're talking about developing yeah, mm-hmm. potential. Okay, this is the difference. What what's I lost it? Right? I okay. I, I got it. Why teams are saying you? We saw Akeem Olajuwon as a junior in college. You're going, that guy can help me next year. He can add ten games. Mm-hmm. I'm watching a high school kid today or a one year player, and I'm going, he could be. Hmm. i get why you would tank for tim duncan what yeah. i don't get is for a guy who couldn't even get to the ncaa tournament in college no disrespect agree, to yeah. anyone you follow what i'm saying so yeah. that's to me when was it okay to tank admit yeah. it and if you are properly evaluating players which you're going to make mistakes along the way how can you watch a high school kid or a, a, a one year kid that goes to school for one year and say that guy was worth the tank because he's not going to turn your organization around to three or four years from even that point where you drafted him. Like mm. you know, what's, the, I just want to know the sales job on that. Like, because how do I go in <laughs> and tell the owner that's our guy. And then when I go to turn around to play, we go, it's not improving in the win loss column.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, So what I was trying to say was, I know those conversations were happening in the league, but I don't think they were happening publicly and amongst fans until social media made that conversation streamline. And I think the reason it became popularized and accepted is a lot of fans have realized that this is the most direct route for a lot of teams that aren't New York or LA to get the superstars that actually can make you a legitimate championship contender And if you want to if you want to focus on Philly, I mean, I'm from Philly originally, ever since the Sixers made the finals in 2001, there was no hope that team actually had a legitimate shot of winning a title, let alone winning a first round series for 15 years. So I I think fans have started to accept this idea that there's hope and there's a, a formula at least that can push you into that conversation rather than getting excited for losing in six games in the first round every year. And that I think is why it's changed because fans are really recognizing that in order to actually be a contender, to give yourself a shot, you need to get multiple all-stars and the most direct route to get them is through the drafts. That's why I think it's become popularized in the last five to seven years. And
0: I I think you mentioned the 2014 draft, Jake, and I find I find it fascinating now as we look back and reflect back some seven years later, because we have Joel Embiid and you mentioned the Sixers. So that path, you know, potentially to a championship that would that would eventually, you know, get to the point where we all say, hey, the process, we did it. Check the box. It worked. We (laughs) celebrate. We win. The process was all good. But. Also in the 2014 draft, we have Andrew Wiggins, who goes number one. So he's had, you know, a little bit of a journeyman career, found it this year at the Warriors. But you also have the MVP in Denver, who was the 41st pick, Nikola Jokic. So I, I, I'd find the irony, you know, all these teams were talking about, we got to tank for the 2014 draft, tank for the 2014 draft. And now the MVP of the league was the 41st pick. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that is ironic, I think, at the end of the day, as we talk about this whole, you know, tanking for the number one pick.
1: For sure. And to BJ's point, I think another reason why I wanted to cover this this concept is that it is tenuous and as good as you can be at tanking to, at the end of the day, one, it comes down to lottery luck, right? Like the ping yeah. pong balls just might not bounce your way and you'll end up like Orlando who was dying to get Christophs Porzingis, for example, in <laughs> 2014 and he backs out of the draft and they want him again in 2015 and he goes one slot ahead of them. Or you can just pick the wrong guy like Milwaukee in 2014. I have Mark Lazzari, the Bucks owner, on the record in the book saying that they wouldn't take Embiid because they wanted to make the playoffs that year and they just wanted to take Jabari because he was the guy who was going to push them back. Kind of what BJ was saying, honestly. This guy's a guy I know can get <laughs> a couple of wins and it doesn't work out. Not not to slander Jabari or the Bucs, but he just tore his ACL and ironically they didn't want to take the injured guy end up taking the injured guy. So mm. I think it is perilous and tenuous a lot of the times, and it doesn't work out for a lot of people. But I think no matter what strategy you're exacting, any MBA executive has to realize that doing that job from what I've learned from conversations I've had with people on the league, the unforeseen variables are going to pop up. Some guy's going to get injured. Two guys are not going to like each other and someone's going to request a trade and how you're <laughs> successful at team building it is about mitigating those unforeseen things and not necessarily changing your direction, but pivoting slightly to keep moving in that forward direction. I think when teams start to try to do too many things at once is when things get muddied and they ultimately don't move forward. And I think rebuilding and tearing it down is super easy. It's really challenging to build it back up. It's a, really hard to get to the playoffs. And then it's even harder to turn a playoff team into an actual championship contender. And that's where we see a lot of teams ultimately fall short. Mm. Um okay. I, I, I again I have so many questions. I'm
2: waiting on my moment. I'm waiting on this moment here. Um so question. All right, we t- let's talk about team building. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, like, this is unbelievable. B, I, B,
0: I, BJ is so fun with this, Jake, because he just like laughs at he just yeah, like Yeah, I mean he, he, I, he, this
2: is great. Like I, <laughs> I, I wanna know. I mean, I mean Jake has already said it, but I really want to know like, how do you go to an owner? Right, because we we you know we talk about analytics and we talk about strategy, and you hear mm-hmm. terms come around like, "What's the smartest way to do this?" and cap management and all of these things, and when you break it all and you pull this all back and you look and you peek behind the curtain, it's based on one thing: luck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, where it's based on one thing: <laughs> luck. <laughs> and I want to know. I mean, what am I doing wrong? How do I sell somebody on luck? And he goes, Yeah, that's the yeah. way to do it. <laughs> like, because I have a so when you talk about team building and you talk about there's a skill set to this. Like oh, yeah. I, I like Pat Riley, for instance, that's not luck, what he's doing in Miami. Okay. I was very fortunate to come in the league where there were like Hall of Fame coaches, I played for a Hall of Fame coach in my first year, right? Phil Jackson and and these guys yeah. and Lenny Wilkins and Hubie Brown mm-hmm. and, you know, the Pat Riley's of the world and the Dick Mata's and all these guys. There is some skill involved into evaluating players. A lot of skill. Team building, putting together, understanding which players can go with which you know we call it what what do we want to call it now we 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 call it you know culture and all you know uh, I, I, you <laughs> know all these all these hot terms we say, but then, how do I sell a guy on luck like I'm trying to get to like what am I doing wrong like because you know when you start talking about how to take a team from a good team to a championship team, there's a formula to this
1: mm-hmm.
2: there's a formula this isn't like. Well, the only way we can do it is we just got to get in the lottery (laughs) and play hero basketball. There's Mm -hmm. a formula to this, right? Where Pat Riley, that guy can't be that lucky for his whole career. (laughs) Okay. You can't get lucky. Okay. Maybe you get lucky and you get a chance to coach a Hall of Fame player. But when you build an organization, you start moving around and you continue to have success. Okay, what does this guy know that the rest of them don't know? Yeah. This isn't luck now. So I my question is, how, do we, how are they selling this luck formula? Because we can pull this all back, and I get it. I get it. It's tough. No one says this is an easy job. But how do you sell a guy on our best solution here is luck?
1: Yeah. Well, I think one thing that your Pat Riley example doesn't really acknowledge is that Where's Pat worked in Miami and Los Angeles, right? Okay. The Bucks and the thunder and the magic, even Houston, look at the Rockets. James Hart, they did everything they could. So
2: weather is, is also a part of it. Is that what we're saying? Okay. Market. 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 Market.
1: Or, Market. Winning in the throughout the course of NBA history, you know this as well as anyone, BJ, winning a title is directly dependent on star talent and star power. It just is. You look all across NBA history. I will say by- this. I will say this. I'm not, I don't want to cut you
2: off. I, I will say this because I want us to agree on things so that we can carry yeah. the conversation. Winning always involves leadership.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Always. There's been a lot of talented players that have come through this league. Winning always involves leadership. And I don't mm-hmm. care where the leadership comes from. It can come from The owner. It can come from the executives. It can come from the players. It can come from the coaches. But I will say this since 1946. You got to have two out of those four positions where you have leadership. And -hmm. we can go through the teams now. I know we can talk about weather. Sounds good. We can talk about a a great player. Sounds good. If you're a great player and you don't have leadership, you have no chance. You just got a great player or you just got a great team. So. I just want to make sure that we can agree so that we can carry a conversation. And at the end of this, I'm expecting my guru to give me my moment where I say, I understand (laughs) this because I'm not (laughs) trying to disagree with you. I just want to know how you win with just talent alone when you You need leadership, right? You got to have leadership. There's things that go to this that aren't old school, aren't new school, aren't next school. They are the true school and Hmm. leadership If anyone who's ever played professional sports, who's ever won at any level, I think they will agree to this. Like, leadership is probably one
1: of the most undervalued,
2: misunderstood things about this.
1: I agree. I mean, Mm. anyone who asks me, friends, family, whatever, what's the NBA like? Like, what's the inside? I always tell people what happens between 48 and zero on the clock is like 1% of the NBA. There's so much more involved in actually getting an entire organization, let alone 15 guys on the court, all moving in one direction. But leadership, I think to your point, only matters to a certain extent when you have so much talent available to actually get that product on the court. Like the Knicks and the Hawks is a perfect example where no matter how much leadership New York had that put it would have put them in the best position. They didn't have as much talent to beat Atlanta. It just didn't. And Sure. Tom Thibodeau could have done some certain scheming things where the Hawks were just able to hide Trey Young on Reggie Bullock in the corner defensively. And the Knicks had no response because they had no guy on their roster who could actually create for them in the half court. That's just what it is. So for to continue to move on in the postseason, no matter how good your coaching staff, your executives, whatever are. You just need this. You need the top talent, the top tier talent, especially in today's NBA, where the heat in 2010 blew open this Pandora's box where every single team now that's trying to win the title. We're trying to not put together two, sometimes even three stars. And that's going to be the thing driving the Lakers offseason right now. Right. They're going to need to find a third type guy. Dennis Schroeder was not their answer. And they're going to try to sign and trade him for that next third guy. (laughs) So if you're not in those star markets like L.A. or Miami or even Chicago or whatever, the best way to get those guys and to sell your ownership is to say, look, if we take two years of bad gate revenue, whatever, once we get, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and we have it and he's not as good an example because I got him at 15. But if you're Memphis, once we get John Morant and now we have him and we have him under team control for seven years. He's going to get us in the playoffs and people are going to want to come play with him and come to Memphis, which when's the last time Memphis signed a marquee free agent that wasn't named Chandler Parsons and just wanted to get a payday and ride off into the sunset and party. Like that's, that's the formula that I I think front office executives are selling to uh, ownership and management because that's really their only shot. You only have so many bullets you can shoot as one of those smaller teams to get yourself from that seven to eight seed range to actually become a top four seed, actually become a team that has a shot to hoisting that title, you need multiple stars to do it. And if you're Memphis or whatever, your best best route to get them is at least to get one through the draft. I mean, look at Phoenix. Chris Paul goes to Phoenix only because they have Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. That's the only reason Chris Paul's there
0: quick break to get a word from our sponsor discover want to hear something amazing discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn how amazing is that in fact it's even more amazing because of all the places where discover is accepted 99 of places in the u.s to take credit cards so when it comes to discover get used to hearing yes more often Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen report limitations apply back to pushing through. And I, I do find it fascinating, Jay, because I think at the same time, you know, I think Mitch Kupchak was with the Lakers and they signed Kobe and they are they, tanking but they're weak they they're doing like the old the, the you know the old school i guess version of tanking which is basically like we play our, we pay our marquee star and then we are not going to make the playoffs and we are going to lose games but we're also going to sell they got to dip on both sides of that but it wasn't out in the open and i think that's where it's almost like a, the bedside manner of it all and and i think what you what you pointed out about twitter now you now you got guys online you know talking about bird rights and talking oh. about swaps and talking about 2027 20, picks that the Oklahoma City Thunder have that yep. they're stashing away, you know that is the 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 conversation that is happening around the NBA, and that is so far different from when you know a lot of the talk was more basketball related. And I think that's where the disconnect can be at times.
1: And BJ, and BJ knows from working with execs today <laughs> that execs care about winning the trade and having that column come out the next day and yep. not getting roasted online that they got poached and whatever by the other guy. They really do care about that because they know their owner's reading it too, which yep. that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother Pandora's box. Well,
2: I, I, I will say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this about... I'm going to say this, and I want to <laughs> get you guys' take on it, right? Yeah. And I know there's a perception out there that these general managers care. Whenever I have done a trade, whether I was an executive... And now I'm going in within my 20th year of working in this business. Right. As far as an executive, since I retired as a player with the exception of like maybe one or two guys who shall remain, you know, nameless. Right. Cause I'm not trying to throw anyone. If ever I asked up an executive, if they could do a trade, the first answer has always been, let me check with my owner. I've yep. never met an executive yet. Who could do a trade with the exception of like one or two guys. If if there was a trade proposal, if I said I got Michael Jordan right here, they would say, (laughs) let me call you right back. Let me check with my (laughs) owner first, but I'll call you right back. Hold on. Mm -hmm. So why are these executives checking the media when it's the owners who are doing all of the. Moving around. I've never met an executive yet who could do a deal with the exception of a couple over a 20-year period. Mm -hmm. So why do they care if they're not the ones who are actually doing the deal? Because if your owner said, BJ, I want you to trade player X for this guy because of whatever (laughs) the reason may be, you may be the one that takes... the (laughs) Because you're getting paid to do that. But these owners now are participating at a they are all in. Like oh. in my era, you didn't see owners sitting on the sideline rooting for their team, giving mm-hmm. press conferences. So why are these owners suddenly now because I don't buy that as an agent because if I call him right now and say I got Michael Jordan sitting yeah. in my office, he can't say, "Okay, I'll sign him." He can't say that. He got to say, "Wait a minute." You yeah. know? So why do they care? Is it is it is it like is it just media perception? Is it just fluff? Because they're not making the they're not making that final call, my friend.
1: Yeah. Well the owner is reading all the articles so saying the
2: owner is the one who cares. And then the owner, when he doesn't get the response he wants, he throws the GM under the bus. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Okay. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Because these GMs uh are, because these general managers and these guys with these fancy titles, at least the guys I talk to, the 30 guys I talk to, I haven't met (laughs) them and say, oh, I can do this
1: without talking to my owner. Yeah. Okay. Listen, there's a lot of teams where the owner's son is the guy calling the shots. I, I, hey, you can run your business however you want to run your business. I just want to make sure <laughs> that you and I
2: always agree with one another because when we get done with this conversation, I want to say, I get it because right now, I don't get
1: it. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I understand why you don't get it. It's because, like, I, like I've like said throughout this, there's a really good chance that's not going to work out. <laughs> Honestly, probably more likely than not. I mean, nope. especially now, they've trimmed the odds to the point where you know, the worst team only gets a 14% chance of that <laughs> I think it's I think it's absolutely amazing that these $2 billion organizations, these guys who make $6 million a year to run them, that their fate comes down to ping pong balls bouncing on some little contraption in the back room in New York. Okay, it's absolutely absurd. You're talking to also- me,
2: Jake. You're talking to me right now, Jake. You're talking, <laughs> Jake. See, Jake. I like how you're talking to me, Jake. Now you're cutting through Jake. <laughs> think, it, Jake. I think Jake. It comes
1: down to luck. That's our. To- that's our go-to. That's where we're hanging our hat on. And it comes down to an executive being able to convince the owner that they are so good. At evaluating talent, that the luck doesn't matter because they're going to find a guy who's going to take them to the playoffs anyway. And three years down the line, if they don't do it, then the owner's is going to say, you know what? You were not that guy to do it. I'm going to find somebody else to do it. And the business just keeps on churning.
0: Now we're getting it. Now we're. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: I. <laughs> Jake? I didn't know how much you wanted to go to the league. Uh, well, Jake, <laughs> I just
2: wanted to know what, what am I missing here because I'm like, In every draft, in every generation, there will be a player, right? There will be a generational talent. And it comes around every, I don't know, 15 years ago, 15 years or so. You know, like, okay, if LeBron James is this generational talent, right? He's been the best player for now a 10, 12-year window, right? He's been the best player. Yeah. Why am I hanging my hat on... Trying to get a, in the lottery if this is the generation's
1: best player. Well, you we got the, because the first team that got him got him in the lottery. You know that's but, kind of the thought. Yeah, okay, you got him in, but those type of talents don't come around. But every so often, I would agree. I mean, the fourteen class was considered to be the best class since 2014 Who was that fourteen class? Who was that class again? Remind me: E. Wiggins, Parker. Obviously, didn't work out for yeah. a lot of the yeah, yeah. There's a eleven year difference the most hyped class since 14 is this year's class. It's been seven years. So Zion's been in the mix in between the other guys too, but there is a long stretch of time before these, these really hyped high school freshman one and done guys come into the league to your point. Yeah. So I I got a quick question for you. All right. (laughs) I I remember that. I remember that
2: class, Joel Embiid, he had some injury problems in college. Okay. And look, he's, when he's healthy without question, he is a, You know, he's an elite player. Wiggins, you know, I follow Jabari Parker. I follow. And they they were all fantastic players. And their careers have taken their path. Some due to injuries, so forth and so on. But the thing I want to touch on is the human condition, which I don't think we give enough. We don't give enough energy to. Like, you and I both know if something can go wrong, it's probably going to go wrong. That's like the Heisenberg principle. Yeah. Is the NBA or the executives are they exempt from this rule? Does it bypass the mm-hmm. NBA? Because and the reason I'm asking that is because we we do these analytic these analyses and PERs and all of these things, but these are people behind these uniforms. And the thing I- that, that 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 is really concerning to me in 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 and dealing with young people is I want you to, Jake, to tell me, talk to me about those players who are carrying out the tanking. Yeah. Like those players who are in those uniforms, right? Because somebody's got to coach those kids. And someone has to look these kids in the face. Talk to me about those coaches and talk to me about those players who are actually doing the work that these executives somehow are putting these players into saying this is what's best for the organization, but how do you coach a kid? How do you manage a coach with the idea? You'll probably never get a chance to see when we come out on the other side. And, and what do you do with those players? Where you say, your job is is to come here to lose games. Like what, tell me about how do you manage those kids?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I talked to, Spencer Hawes and Thaddeus Young and Evan Turner, like the veterans who are in the mix of that like Sixers team where they're basically being, being said, like, you're not being part of this team in the future and we're putting you on the trade block and it doesn't really matter. Like, good luck, buddy. And the, the young guys, one thing I think that gets overlooked about Hinkie's process was that, um, and he gave a lot of guys opportunities to make the league. Like Tim Frazier is a, Tim Frazier's of the world, who got on a 10 day contract and probably wouldn't have had a shot to make, or TJ McConnell, Robert Covington, like those guys were probably pretty excited. And from the ones I talked to, like they got their shot to make the NBA because there was no expectations to win games. But the veteran players, you're right. I mean, out with Tony Roten is being mentioned in the chat right here. Yeah. I mean, Roten was a guy who was picked first round in Memphis. And the Grizzlies had no room to play him at all. Cause that was the Zebo era and they're trying mm-hmm. to win. And they just gave him up basically for free and gave him a shot. Philly gave him a shot to stretch his wings and whatever. Um, but you're right about the human condition. I mean, I tell people all the time, I don't really write about basketball. I write about the NBA is a big workplace and ecosystem of all these people and coworkers and competing agendas and everyone I mean, the coaching game is is even crazier than anyone. I've come to learn the last six months reporting on the league, how you get like, look at Indiana. They've just been waiting to fire Nate Bjorken for like two weeks now, just kind of <laughs> and seeing and seeing the coaches that are going to be on the market, you know? So it's definitely the human condition. I think is probably the biggest, most overlooked aspect of the NBA yes. at large. I really agree with you there for sure
0: quick break to get away from our sponsor who hasn't been there you're standing in the wine aisle staring at the shelves do you want a california red or maybe one from oregon something organic thankfully though there's first leaf a better way to discover wine at a fraction of the price you'll find in a store. Firstleaf is a fully customizable wine club that sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. Firstleaf works directly with the world's best winemakers, not only to find the best wines available, but to pass savings on to you, saving you up to 60% off retail. I'll tell you this, First Leaf sends me wine every single month. I have people come over. We have nice little wine nights. We drink, we talk, we have a great time. Thank you, First Leaf. Save time money and stress with first leaf the wine club designed with you in mind join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for 29.95 and free shipping just go to try slash pushing that's six bottles of wine for 29.95 and free shipping at try slash pushing back to pushing through yeah and i mean and when a coach you know is fired you know we see it at the bottom of the ticker and like you said it's like a transactional move you can keep this distance but when you really think about it, it's like that person lost their job. You know what I mean? It 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 it, it all comes back to the human the human aspect of it all, and uh, it it almost becomes like fantasy sports at times when we talk about basketball and acquisitions and super teams and building, you know, and tanking for certain guys and certain picks, and you know, we get far away from that.
1: Listen, I remember BJ might not remember this, but it was the Jason Tatum draft, and. I remember hearing that the Celtics had worked out somebody that was that was BJ's client. I'm not gonna remember that who it was, in some like high school gym, whatever. And I got a tip and my editor like really wanted me to call and confirm it. And I hadn't even talked to BJ at the time, really, at all. I was like, there's no way this guy is gonna appreciate a <laughs> person two days before the draft reaching out for some highly sensitive information about some decision that could ultimately impact where this 19 year old kid is going to spend the first seven years of his career. Right. Like that stuff. I don't think people really do consider like, these are people who have families in place and right, yep. kids in mind and the fortunes are a lot of these players. There's like seven to 12 people who their livelihood is going to be dependent on where that guy goes. And right. But uncle is going to be able to get some marketing opportunity to help that kid. Like it is a crazy big business with a lot of people and a lot of good people, honestly, too. There's a lot of good people around the league as much as there are some shady actors involved too, but it is, it is crazy how people forget that these are people who bleed the same blood as, as all of us.
2: You know, Jake, uh, man, this is great. You and I are getting somewhere, Jake. We're we're getting. I feel like I'm getting closer to, to, to that moment. So Jake, tell me this, where is the league going? Like there's such a premium to in your business to break a story first. I don't even yeah. know if it's if it's big to get the story right. You just want to get the story first.
1: I want to be right. That's right, for sure. right. Right. No, for sure. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, for, for sure. Me, I definitely want to be right.
2: <laughs> but for the players, you know, it's always now everyone has to be a star. Like, what's wrong with having a career? Okay. Where's this league going? Because now it's all about, there's such a, pre, who's got the chip, who's going to win the championship, who's going to do this. And we only headline the, 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 the top or talk about it. Where's this league going here? And now in the next five to seven years, if you could look in your crystal ball.
1: So I think it's kind of like the, the James Harden situation. I was starting to talk about when then we got, to you know, yeah, sorry, I got I sidetracked you guys. You know, this is what okay. the old guys do, you know. I'm the old guy on the
2: line. Come on, you can sit here, you know what I mean? I'm the older guy on the line, you know. I wanted to kick you off my line, but you started coming around, so now I'm I, I, you know, Tate was nice enough. Now we're pulling you off a chair, so yeah, you know,
1: we're chair, we cracked up for the beer. Here we are, yeah, it's all good. I, I think, I think the players have fully realized their agency in this ecosystem in this marketplace that we've talked about where. This conversation that I mentioned earlier of players and or, of fans and whatever, all streamlined and talking about team building, players want to have their say too, and they clearly do. And if you want to talk about that in the lens of tanking, I don't understand how organizations telling their owner, telling their fans, telling these players, we need to be bad for multiple years just to get you. How does that not further influence a Joel Embiid, a Damian Lillard, a Bradley Beal, whoever, to say, well, if I'm that good, shit, let me call the shots here too. (laughs) I really think that, and there's a lot of, I mean, that was a thesis I pitched to a lot of GMs around the league when reporting out this book. I think that played a big role in, in, you know, the player empowerment is the buzzword around it. I think now, I mean, the Naomi Osaka situation in tennis, I was really intrigued by and wondering how that could be, Know, reflected in the league moving forward. Um, I think we're trending in a direction now where everyone involved in the NBA, all those humans that we're talking about, mm. whatever interests they have, it seems like every single person, agents, players, executives, coaches, whatever have more and more ability now to push where they want to be and, and how they want to operate. So I'm curious to see where that continues, whether it be, you know, I mean, we started hearing like Aaron holiday was requesting a trade before the trade deadline. Um, like someone who's a third point guard, you know, like I, and, and not like get me out of here. Just like, this is a situation that I'm looking to be a second point guard, not a third point guard. Like we're starting to see that more, it, it just, it seems to be a more fluid conversation with every single actor involved. So I'm, I'm curious how much, I mean, we're seeing all this player movement, coaching movement, executive movement every year. I don't know if we're ever going back. I think it's I think the carousel is just going to keep on spinning.
0: It's fluid. The situation is fluid. That's uh I think that's the best way to put it. And uh, Jake, we could probably sit here all day and talk about this. We're not. I, I, we're not going to sit here yeah, all day and talk yeah, about it. You mean, I've been doing this for the last
2: twenty years, and I only get thirty minutes. Is that it? See, <laughs> see, see, how they treat me, Jake. See, how, uh, Jake, Jake, you see how they treat me. You know, I I, I live this,
1: and then all I get is thirty minutes. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, well. All right, <laughs> I could tell you a lot more, which is why I messaged T- how long we going here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, no, hey, no.
0: We, we we could spend. Literally all day, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's uh, it, it's great, Jake, uh, to to have you all to share this knowledge. I don't. I'm waiting, BJ. Did you have an aha moment? Do you feel like you got there? Do you? I feel like you Jake, got Jake there.
2: and I. Jake and I are
0: <laughs> best friends. This is my my new best friend because you
2: know what? I, I I love the fact that we can first of all that we can talk about these because it's a very sensitive subject. Okay, it's yeah. a, a lot of sensitive for a lot of people, right? I mean, we're 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 all operating in the business of sports, right? And Jake and myself and Tate, you know, you as well. And we're operating in this billion dollar ecosystem. And what made this sport great was competition. That's mm-hmm. what made it great, right? We all understood then, we all understand it now that, you know, except maybe Philly fans, right? They always think they are supposed to win every game, but you you understand, like you can't win every game. But when yeah. you see young people cry and myself as a player like it hurt, right? It it hurts when your team loses. But when was it cool to say this is our p- game plan to lose? Yeah. Like I never experienced that as a kid, right? You know, yeah. uh and 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 as a youth playing sports, you know you, you know, I was the kid who believed it. Like you just do your best. You try your yeah. hardest. Now it's confusing. It's confusing I have kids. That's a confusing story to say. Oh, okay, they're they're trying to lose so they can get. That's confusing as a parent. It's confusing in working in this business because I never walked into a locker room, Jake, in my whole basketball career where I said my job was to lose a game. Yeah, and, and, and that and 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 I and I always held that innocence while playing the game. Did I always play well? No. Did I always no? But. Jake, that's 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 confusing now to watch sports with the idea to like it's cool that guy's smart <laughs> like I don't know where the, I don't know where I stand and I just want to appreciate you for like having this conversation where we can smile and laugh and hear it look I, I don't know what the right answer is I don't know right I'm not an executive in the NBA but at the same time I just want to appreciate you for sharing and 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 and, and and, uh, and reporting the back. story. Yeah, and yeah, I want I you mean, to come that, back. That,
0: that's, the real, that's the real joy of this. When you have real journalism in the in the book so far from what I read, Jake, it's really well reported. And uh, you obviously are in it and uh, you, you are trying to tell the story. And uh, I, I think that is something that we have to appreciate in this world of narratives and BS that we see. It's good to see something well reported.
1: Thank you, man. That, that is my selling pitch for the book. It's that I talked to over 300 people, BJ included. You might not remember. Well, <laughs> I actually did a control F to be full, fully honest. None of your quotes made it in, but we did talk oh, for the Oh
0: God!
2: Uh, <laughs> well, that's probably good. You know, I, I'm sure I was that's probably good. That's probably good. Uh, you know, what? let's start there. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know what? I, 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 I get it. I get I, it. I'm. I'm. I've never understood it. Like I just like. Like as a player, I could accept the coach coming in saying, "BJ, you're not gonna play." Yeah, I, may, I didn't want to hear that, but I could, I could respect it. It's your job. Mm. Yeah. What I could respect is the coach comes in and says, "BJ, be ready. I'm gonna get you in the game," and then I don't play. Like, okay, yeah. just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Like. And I think anyone in a leadership position can respect that, right? There are tough things we all have to do in our job, but when you're talking about leading people, you know, it's 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 not a clear cut. You know, there's some gray areas in here, and the tanking thing, I I just can't get it. Like I I can't get it because I don't know how to explain it to my kids. I really don't. I I I struggle with that one.
1: It's worse now than ever. I mean, you you want to point in the book, I mean, I think every single team in there is a different case study of the same type of abstract, but Philly wasn't doing what OKC did this year with Al Horford and Shea Gildas Alexander. Um, What John Wall was doing, just sitting on the bench and letting Kevin Porter Jr. take his role. What Detroit did is buying out Blake Griffin. Like, it's definitely, I think we've steered even harder into the curve now with teams intentionally losing game with the Clippers did to avoid getting the Lakers in, uh, I mean, I don't have that confirmed, but it seems pretty clear they lost those games intentionally. And you're right. I, I think it's a, I think it's a issue ethically and morally, but it's also something the league has to have a discussion with too. Cause as much as the player movement and all this team building strategy and stuff has been great to create an 11th month news cycle. And it's exciting that any fan can, Photoshop Damien Lillard into their team's jersey and like has a legitimate <laughs> chance of that happening. It's also the value of the regular season. And that's the product the NBA has at the end of the day. So it's an issue that they have to <laughs> I have to have a conversation about too.
2: Jake, I want to say this and mm-hmm. my, my last point. You know, Jake, <laughs> as an adult, I have to always take stewardship and responsibility of my actions as an adult. Right, as a leader, as a parent, and all of those things. Yeah, we talk about. Player empowerment. We talk about player movement. Players have all the leverage. This is a players' league, and all of these things. But my question is, where did they learn it from? They learned it from us. Yeah, the people that's in charge. Okay, and and you said something and confirmed something that I've said, and no one's oh. listening, and I know no one's listening now, but I want to say it anyway. I hope people are listening to this. These, <laughs> where did the players learn this from? They learned this from the following. We are tanking to get a hero. Mm -hmm. We're not tanking to build a team. We're tanking to get a hero because what we're really saying by tanking is one player, the hero is going to come save us. Yeah. And, and and that's how we're going to build this. We're not building a team. We're just getting the hero. We're saying this to a 19, 18, 19 year old kid who doesn't have any experience. Then when that player gets here and he's good, he averages 25, 28 points a game, and he still doesn't win. And now we got to tell him the truth, which is, no, you're not the hero. You're you're a really good player. That player is like, well, why are you criticizing me now? You told me I was a hero. You tanked to get me. And then we get mad when that player leaves and say, oh, these players have not. So... I don't, I want to always hold myself accountable because it's easy for me to be pointing the finger at the other players. If I'm part of a team and I'm part of a system here, it's important what message are we giving these young people? You know, what makes basketball different from the individual sports is you need a team. And I just want to make sure, Alex, uh, that we set an example for our young people. And that Mm. they're incredibly gifted individual talents, but the only way that we can win, the only way you can win in this league is you got to incorporate that talent into a system. And you got to incorporate that talent into the framework of a team. And that to me is what's going on with the league. And no one wants to admit the truth. The executives don't want to admit it. The players, they're too young. They don't understand. You're 19. You can't tell a 19-year-old kid you're the savior. You're the one. So- These kids are doing what they're doing because of us, the executives. And I want to hold myself accountable because I work in this league and I'm an adult, but I'm certainly not going to blame these young people for the way they're acting because they learned it somewhere. And where did they learn it from? They learned it from us.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I want to say, I think it's been really fun in these playoffs to see teams like Phoenix and Utah and even Brooklyn. Brooklyn's been chastised all year long for all their stars having played together, blah, 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 blah. It seems like the teams that are still playing right now really are teams and they're complete units, and 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 that's been fun to watch. And I think um, the fact that the teams that haven't really been, like as much as Brooklyn just slapped these two stars together or whatever, like they grew that pretty organically. And it's it seems like chemistry has really been, and that that full team unit has been a big theme of these postseasons. So that's that's been cool to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brooklyn's playing great basketball, and they're playing patient basketball, and they, they're they playing with, you know, I mean, we, we we were talking about, you know, game two. Uh, Steve Nash had a great game coaching-wise, strategy-wise, you know. I mean, they look like a team that's primed for the playoffs, and as much as you know, there is, that. I feel like a lot of times we're so lost in the narrative of the Kyrie and KD and Harden of it all that we, you know, people are like, ah, oh, I can't deal with it, yada, yada, yada. But if you watch them play the game of basketball, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? You can get it, 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 entrenched in the game and then you can, you know, leave all that other stuff to the side.
1: For Utah game one, it's Donovan Mitchell scores 45 points, yeah. but that was a team effort. Yep. And they were, that ball zipping around the perimeter, and every single guy's got carp launch to shoot that thing. Like, yep. yeah, fun to watch. It's really fun to watch.
0: Absolutely. Well, there you have it, Jake Fisher. Uh, we got it. Built to Lose How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Uh, go get the book. Go Thanks. read the book. And uh, Jake, we'd love to have you uh, come back and we'll, we'll keep this conversation going.
1: Let's do it. Yeah. I'm always happy to talk with you guys.